Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Sean Zabry with Greenlight Offer, another rock star coming in from Houston, Texas to talk about how he kept 50% of his revenue last year doing 1.4 mil in just one market. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer for some of the top wholesalers in the country, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. One question I get a lot is how do I become one of the 100 millionaires? The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. All you need to do is take consistent action and you will become one. When you hear a nugget, please type it in the comments section below. And after the show, identify your single biggest takeaway and focus on just that for the next seven days. If you get value out of the show today, please tag a friend below or share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Sean to answer. You ready? Yes, sir. Let's get it cracking. All right. So first question is, what got you into real estate? Uh, what got me into real estate? So it was about five years ago. Uh, by the grace of God, man, I got in. Oh, and and um, basically, I, I come from a background, a uh, family business background. that a furniture company. It's a well-known furniture company in, in Houston, about seven, eight locations in town. So I was working with them for about seven, eight years. Um, doing everything from accounts payable to accounts receivable to, you know, delivery manager, warehouse manager, sales, all that good stuff. A lot of hats. A lot of hats. A lot of hats. And it, it, was, your, it, it was your parents' business. Yeah, it was my parents' business, and uh, they started back in '98, and um, it was great, man. It taught me a lot, but you know, it really, uh, I really stopped enjoying going to work. I just didn't like the furniture business. Uh, I didn't, didn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life, so. I was actually in, still in college at that time where I was having these thoughts. And um, my girlfriend at the time, now she's my wife, we we're sitting there just trying to you know, think of what, what can I get into, right? And obviously wearing all those hats, I know that the best, the best position that I enjoy the most was sales. I love talking to people, I love connecting with individuals. So we're like, all right, we'll go, we know it's gonna be in the sales industry, so where? Um, and she randomly said, "Well, why don't you get into you know real estate?" My, my she used to work. She used to work for a broker. Or no, not a broker. A builder, uh, Meritage Homes. And she said, "Why don't you get into the real estate industry?" Uh, my boss made like over nine hundred k last year, and I was like, <laughs> "She made nine hundred k last year selling homes." She's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Revenue." Well, whatever. <laughs> well, real estate it is. Let's go to real estate. So. Uh, my plan was to be a real estate agent. I liked watching HGTV shows. I'm gonna fix and flip houses. I'm gonna first get step in, you know, get in the, the door by um, being an agent, and then just flip houses. And um, started researching real estate and whatnot. And as I was researching real estate, um, I guess the algorithms from Google pushed to Instagram, mm -hmm. and uh, Nick Ruiz popped up on my newsfeed. Uh, heard of him? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she popped up on news for you talking about wholesaling. And I was like, what is this? So she's talking about, you know, selling contracts, not having to buy the houses. And I was like, this is, this is real estate. This is real estate investing. And this is, you know, flipping, flipping properties. I'm like, all right. So bought his book and uh, he had a course out. And that's what I'm telling you by the grace of God, man. Cause this course was $2 in that same month. In the month of May, it was for, he was running a promo for $2. <laughs> so I bought it. Uh, <laughs> and um, basically watched a few videos on his course. But what I kept watching was the testimonials that his students were writing, like how they had big checks and what, mm. and that's kind of what made me a believer in the system. Um, so I just started taking action, read his book and putting bad signs up and from there I went on. 
So working in the family business, you started working at what age? When I was a senior in high school. My dad wanted me to get a job. He just didn't want me to come into the family business. He wanted me to get a, an outside job so I can kind of learn like how to clock in, clock out, being on time. So I used to work at Chuck E. Cheese, actually. I was the best Chucky in town. Um, oh, you were Chucky? Oh, yeah, because we whenever whoever was game room attendants, like uh -huh. as in the ones who were fixed the games and delivered like or the bus boys, we had to be Chucky as well. Oh, so I'm definitely not going to let my kids watch this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Chucky, they changed up Chucky a little bit. Now Chucky's really skinny and he, he doesn't look like the same anymore. I took my nieces there a few <laughs> few months ago and I was like, this is not the same. It's not the same. So Chucky. your family had the business already. Yeah. You had to go work somewhere else before you can come and work for your family. Right. And then you did that for a couple of years. Um, I did that for a few. I did that for about nine or ten months. Nine or ten months. Worked at Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about with your family. Oh, my family. I worked there for seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then what kind of money were you making? Because this is leaving a family business. It's kind of, not like an easy decision. Right. Right. So what kind of money were you making at that time? I was making good money. And <laughs> I was making good money. I mean, I was... It was my ba my bills were paid, which I didn't have much because I was living at home. I was still in college, um, but it, um, what type of money I was making? Uh, I think it was four to five thousand a month. Okay. Uh, depending on what position I was doing, right? Because like I said, when I was in sales, then it was I'll get the salary and then I'll get commission on top. Um, do you know what a spiff is? Of course, the car yeah. sales. You, but you, car you should explain it. You know, a spiff is basically like uh, incentives, right? Bonuses. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's like whoever can get X amount this month or this today who can get like five sales today you know gets an extra five hundred dollars and this is when i knew i was really good at sales because whenever my brother um would say because hey, he's like the one the sales operation guy he would when he was like hey we're doing spiffs for you know tuesday you get this many sales you get you make this much bonus that would kind of just fire me up and i, I would i would become first or second place in the spiff my brother would never pay me out just because he was like oh, we'll pay the other guy you know just because i guess just for it looks, Morale. it yeah. looks bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's when I knew sales. Like I was like, all right, this is something I like. So, and you mentioned earlier, like you were in college when you were having these thoughts. So what were the expectations from your family? Were the expectations that Sean was gonna go to college, get a degree, get a good job? Or was the expectation to work in the family business? It was whatever Sean wanted, to be honest. I mean, I, I've come, I come from a family background, a family, like hard work and family background. So they said that I can't work at the furniture store if I don't have a degree. Okay. My, and I, at that time, I, I was not, I was, I've never been too fond of school. Mm -hmm. um, but my dad was like, you're not gonna be able to work with us if you don't have a degree. I'm like, dad, I don't need a degree to work here. He was like, yeah, you do. Doesn't matter. Yeah, he was like, that was his, you know, push to, you know, you, you can't just fall on the family business. Mm -hmm. We need you to complete school. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it was, it was, the thing was just to stick with the family business. That was, that but was, it the, wasn't be an engineer, an accountant no. or, or attorney or, or doctor. No. That wasn't the expectation because <laughs> that's the general Asian, yeah. Middle Eastern, you yeah. know, that part of the country right. or part of the world. Okay. So you were to go to college and then what was your intention going to college? Was it to, cause, and the reason I'm asking this question, cause a lot of our audience is like, should I go to college? Is college the right thing, right? So just kind of want to answer that question a little bit is when you were in college, was it to, after you get your degree, work in a family business or was it like, were there other directions? What were, what were the? Um, basically, so it took me about six years to finish college. From mm -hmm. year one to five or five and a half, it was 
get a degree and work with the family business for the rest of my life and grow that because it's an empire right Mm -hmm. it's it's i'm talking about you know fifty thousand square feet warehouse stores seven stores huge um well known in the houston market um so it was it was just work you know get a degree and then work with the family business and just grow that okay and then when you started having second thoughts it was because this work thing is not as fun as it yeah right but it's not like you get in the real estate and it's easy. No. Right? So, I mean, what was that? What Was it harder than you expected? Or do you just like, you already had that grind in you, so like, this is easy? I had the grind in me. I, I come from working 12 to 15 hours a day. Gotcha. It, it was, it was, my, fam- my family did not treat me like, it, it was not like, oh, you know, you're one of the bosses, you don't have to, you can only work six hours. It was like, no, you're one of the bosses, you work 12, 15 hours, yeah. right? So that's what I'm saying. I come from a background where it's just put your head down and grind. Gotcha. And so when I came into the real estate world, you know, putting bandit signs at two, three, four o'clock in the morning was nothing to me. It was like, this is what I do. Yeah. You know, this is, this is, this is, this is, we come from the work. It's not a grind, this is just normal. Yeah, this is, this is, this is it. We got, we put our heads down, we work. Okay, so when did you make your leap? What year was it? 2016 as soon as I graduated college okay and then we were talking earlier so you were, you joined boardroom at some point um, right so that was and it wasn't that much later from 2016 right so let's talk about your your first deal what was your very how'd you get your first deal it's from bandit signs okay bandit signs all right and then bandit signs you learned that from taking Nick's course yeah Nick's course and uh, basically it was Nick's course and Sean Terry flip to freedom mm-hmm. that was in my ear 24 7 yeah which is great i mean he sean terry influenced a ton of people the pioneer all right so bandit signs two three o'clock in the morning how was your first deal uh basically so those bandit signs that we put up uh miss ruby called me i still remember her name ruby davis um so she called me she said that she had a uh, a house to sell and it was not a livable house and it was her grandmother's house and she wanted me to check it out and whatnot and I was just excited to get the call and I was like all right yeah I'll come check it out you know I'll come tomorrow and X Y and Z so went to the house and it was in the Houston area so it was kind of like in um, it's called Independent Heights in the Houston and mm-hmm. it's very close to 610 loop so it's, it's a high demanding high desirable area uh, but at that time I didn't really know what that area was what you know what was going on so I got to the house we couldn't even get into the house it was just it was condemned basically i just it was a railroad right behind it um and she was there and she was like what would you give me for this and i'm like well, this looks like a teardown to me and she was like yeah i think it is and i'm like okay what do you want for it and she was like well it's behind uh i think she said it's behind like 14 or 15 thousand in taxes so i said okay and she's like and there's three of us so we, we will be okay with walking away with like you know 5k each and so that was like 15, so I was like, that's 30. I was like, what if we do, you know, obviously we negotiated, got it under contract for 20, 21, 22,000. So I got it under contract for like 22,000. I didn't have a contract at that time. She's like, all right, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back to your house. I'll come to your house and we'll fill out the contract and kind of go from there. And so she left, took some pictures of the inside and outside of the house, just outside from basically from the windows. And then I started driving around and I used to do a lot of driving for dollars. So driving for dollars, direct mail and bandit signs, those were my three marketing channels when I got started. Um, so I was driving around, driving for dollars because you know, 
my podcast and Sean Terry's like, whenever you go to appointments, drive around, mm-hmm. right? Look for other houses. So I'm driving around, I see a for sale by owner sign. So I'm like, all right, so let me call this person. So I call for sale by owner. So I'm like, hey, um, you know, driving around, just, we just picked up a house on the same street. How much are you looking to sell your house for? He's like, no, it's not the house that I'm selling. I'm selling the, the lot. I'm like, what lot? I mean, there's, I'm like, there's no lot. They're like, yeah, that little little lot right there. I'm like, how big? I was like, that's like a 1,500, 2,000 square foot lot. He was like, yeah. I'm like, oh man. I'm like, no, I'm not interested, man. He was, I was like, so he was like, yeah, do you have any other properties? I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm like, are you a, a buyer? He goes, yeah, I buy, I buy real estate. So I'm like, all right, well, I got this other house that I just picked up uh, on X, you know, I told the address, I think it was 322 East 37th Street. And he said, okay, um, how much are you asking for it? I'm like, and he was gonna ask this question. I don't know, I have no idea. So I was like, I don't know how much do you want for it? And that's what I always learned. I always knew never give your price first, right? I'm like, how much do you want for it? He's like, well, let me come look at it and then you know we'll go from there. And I'm like, all right. He was like, I'll be there in about 20 minutes. I'm, I live real, I live nearby. So at that time I got the contract printed because I didn't even have this house under contract yet. So he comes and he goes, um, he looks at it and he was like, all right, everything looks good. I'll give you 40K for it. And I'm like, 40k was 18k right there i'm mm-hmm. like um okay done right. right so literally and within an hour i didn't even have this under contract yet because i didn't go to her house he came before <laughs> so he's like all right let's go to the title company and let's let's do all the paperwork i'm like well i gotta go somewhere um let me just meet you up in an hour or two and he says uh no man he's really being really urgent now he's like I'm, I'm going on a fishing trip tomorrow i need to do this today <laughs> i said all right don't worry buddy we'll meet around 5 or 6 p.m and we'll get everything taken care of meanwhile i went to miss ruby's house signed the contract called him i was like i'm ready to go he put their interest money deposit down everything was ready and um so yeah i signed the deal within the same day <laughs> so, so um pr- pretty smooth deal yeah that was smoother on the, on the first end of it but then this first deal that I put under contract was not my first deal I closed on. Got it. It was my third deal I closed on mm-hmm. because there was a lot of title issues. There was a lot of, you know, basically oh, yeah. a lot of title issues. Um, and by the time I was ready to sell this property, when the title got clear, the buyer didn't have funds to close on this property. Um, so he was like, Sean, I don't have funds to close on this property. And I said, okay. He's like, so can we uh, like, he's like, I'm gonna tell you the, t-. and at, at that time it was like two, three months in and I kind of knew more numbers about that. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had gave it to him for a low price. I'm like, all right, how much do you want from this deal? He's like, if I walk away with five or six K, I'll be all right. And I said, all right, so I reassigned it. Mm-hmm. So I gave, so 46, 47, he was gonna walk away with 46, 47 and I reassigned it to someone else for 55. So I got- That was awfully generous on your part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. So yeah, so that's kind of how we did it. So got it. he got yeah. So your first, so the the one with Miss Ruby and the first, and the Fizzbow guy, that was your first closing. No, that was my first deal I put under contract. Not my first deal that I closed on. My first deal I closed on was driving for dollars. Uh, okay, so that guy that you that was going on that fishing trip, that was the guy that had to bail. Yeah, he had to. He didn't have he had funds. He said got that it. he used some funds, and me got and him it. still have a relationship till this day. Okay, yeah. how funny. Yeah, Shababy is what I call them. So you start off, hit the ground running, right, in 2016. Right. And it didn't seem like it was very long then. Then you sign up for the boardroom, which is a mastermind. Right. That was a pretty quick jump, pretty fast. Like not every, not many people like, let me start wholesaling. Yeah. Let me check out this thing on, on Instagram or Facebook and then turn into joining a mastermind. What was right. the thought process behind that? 
So it was 20, was it 2016 or 2017 when I went to Sean Terry's Flip to Freedom event that he has here in Phoenix. And at that time, Kent was there, Kent Clothier was there as well. A few other, Justin Kobe was there and they did a presentation about boardroom elite. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you know, when you're in sales, you 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 get closed on easily. Closers get closed easily. Right? <laughs> Closers are definitely the easiest. Yeah. To close. So I mean, I got closed. They closed yeah. me. They're like, dude. I'm like, I'm done. Let's go. You right. know. So that's kind of where at that event, you know, I signed up, but I I didn't sign I didn't sign up. I I had a I think they had a consultation, and like I was saying, my girlfriend at the time was my wife. Now she came on board with me in January. She stopped working for her um, builder. She was an assistant for the, for the builder sales rep. And she came on and hopped on with us in January. Um, and then I told her about boardroom and she was like, this is something that we need, we need direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when we signed up in January of 2017. It's amazing, that was a very quick jump. So you went from working with your family, thinking about getting a license, bypassing that, wholesaling, mm-hmm. and joining a mastermind. Yeah, in the middle of that I was actually trying so basically when I gra- so when I graduated, I graduated college in, on like May 16th, mm-hmm. May 14th, somewhere around the May 14th, May 16th. And my first band sign I put out was May 31st. So it's about, what is that, 14 days, two weeks? Yeah. In those two weeks, I tried another business, which was, <laughs> <laughs> which was credit card processing. Okay. Uh, where you sell another credit card. Another super competitive business. Yeah, so I tried that for about a week, week and a half, and I was like, oh, I can't do this. I'm yeah. like, I, not that I can't do it, I was like, I, I don't want to do this. That's another brutal business where you're yeah. a lot of cold calling, but it's B two B. It was business. It, it was door. It was basically door 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 to door that I was. I had okay. a suit on, and I was like, "Hey!" And that's gotta be nice in Houston. Yeah, right. In May, <laughs> May of May of 2016, summertime. So, yeah. and then asking the most uncomfortable part, uncomfortable about that that business was meeting someone. And then 10 or 15 minutes later, when they're like, all right, what's your rate? I'm like, well, I can't give you a rate until you give me your credit card statements. <laughs> like, you want my credit card statements? You just walked in my door 15 minutes ago. Yeah. So that was the most difficult part of that business. And that's where I was like, uh, maybe um, this is not the right. I was like, <laughs> let's go back to Nick Ruiz. Yeah, gotcha. All right, so then you, you how many deals did you think you closed in 16? About seven, seven okay, to so eight. So pretty rock solid start. Um, Join the mastermind. What happened next? Um, structure. Um, it was it was it was 2017. It was just me and my my wife, and we were just rocking and rolling. We were just the main part of the of the mastermind was getting around other individuals and knowing what the possibility was of this business, right? Like seeing other rock stars doing like enormous numbers, doing amazing things. Um, it was really mindset. Mm-hmm. It was really mindset that helped me out. I didn't even start building a team. In 2017, it was just me and her just putting our heads down and just working. Um, it really started building a team in 2018. Got it. So it was just really more of the mindset and just kind of being the technician at that time. So along the way, what were some of your early struggles, whether doing your first deals, being a small team, building a team, what were some of your biggest struggles in the early process? In the early process, the biggest struggles, I would say, was consistency on the on the deal flows coming in. Um, we did a fair amount of deals actually, but just having that uh, and it, actually I take that back. It was more mindset on marketing consistently, right? Because I'm like 
I got I'm spending 10 15,000 a month. I mean, I have I don't have a deal coming in yet or I have this deal coming in 2 months. Like that the mindset of like should I stop marketing right now and then wait for that deal to come in and go, but what I learned in the mastermind was I never stopped marketing. Mm-hmm. So it was really just the uh, the battle of stop marketing, you don't have, you know, <laughs> the deals are not in yet or continue marketing. So it was just the mindset of just keep going. Yeah, I love it. Um Dean Graziosi calls it marketing stamina. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see it eventually, right, as you mature. Yeah. But in the beginning, yeah, it, it's hard to stomach the idea of spending money every single month, not knowing right. if it's going to pay off. It's an investment, man. It's, it's a huge investment. You're, you're betting yourself on, on data or just, you know, your, the marketing channels. Right. Um, but, yeah, what really helped us was, was the bandit signs in yeah. 20, 2017, 2018. It was just. We were putting 400 bandit signs a week. Well, not us, but we were hiring individuals. And then around sometime in 18, uh, someone reached out to me. Like, you got to get Sean on the show. And I begged you, and you wouldn't come. (laughs) Right? And so, but we talked about it before the show, what it was. Yeah. So you want to talk about that conversation? What was it, you know, when I reached out to you before that you didn't feel like it was the right time? Yeah. It was actually 2019 when you reached out. And I had a team at that time. But I was still, um, there was a lot going on, right? Building a team, training, onboarding, getting the systems and processes in place. I wasn't, I wasn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, my, like, you know, my mind wasn't there. I mean, I was still, there was a lot, a lot going on. Still, I mean, a lot going on. I mean, that's how life is, you know, you got yeah. things going on. But I just didn't feel like I was, you know, credible enough to come on real estate disruptors well I, and i think because part of the team thing too is like you know like stepping out right uh, leaving your your team to function without you and this is something i just want to highlight for everyone that's uh you know watching is that this is the aspiration this is the goal right to be able to build a business that doesn't rely you rely on you 100 percent of the time now it's gonna rely on you but it's 100 sure. maybe like five ten percent of the time as right? a leader where you're coming in uh kind of like the surgeon like Sean, we got this problem. We need you. We need your insight. We need your experience involved in this. But ninety-five percent of the business doesn't need Sean. Right. Right. And at that time in twenty nineteen, you didn't feel the business was sturdy enough for you to yeah. leave for two days. Yeah. So. And I think you mentioned heard you the king of Houston. I was like, no, nah, man, I'm no king. There's there's bigger players here. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So then we talked about. Um, there's two things. So A, one market, and B, super profitable. I think we'll, we'll lead first with let's talking about building a super profitable business. Because this is one of those businesses, and I'm just gonna talk about me a little bit. I left, not left, but transitioned right, in my focus from the traditional business to the wholesaling business. Because I, what I saw was there's a lot of ego, a lot of like, man, these guys are doing really big numbers. But then you look behind the curtain and it's like, well, they're doing big numbers, but they're not keeping a lot of it. This is, we see a lot of ego, a lot of chest puffing, uh, but not a lot of take home. Right. Which is really cool in the beginning, but as you get a little older, take home's a little bit more important For sure. than revenue. So I was like, well, let me, let, let's look at wholesaling, because now it's a business. You don't have to worry about the puffing, you know, the ego and the flash and whatever. And you learn very quickly. No, that's not true at all. It's the ex- it's, it's even worse. Even worse. Right? And so let's talk about profitability because I think that's something that uh, I like to harp on. I don't think it's talked about enough. So let's talk about the profitability component. How do you run a profitable business that's more than 50%? Because I think 
most of them are in the 15 to 25% profitability. Really? I think so. So how, let's talk about, I mean, even getting north of 50 is, 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 is admirable. So how did, how did you do it? Like I was telling uh, Larry, I mean, it's thanks to COVID, to be honest, man. Uh, we, we cut out a lot of fat. I mean, I had a huge team um, around end of 2019, beginning of 2020. I had um, a sales team of like seven guys and gals. I had one girl and, you know, I had a dispo, transactional coordinator. Um, so we had a lot of, and then to feed them too, right? You had, you had marketing expenses you to go out. You got to spend to feed. You got to spend to feed. So um, when we looked at our numbers, January, February of 2020 and a lot of 2019, we were spending a good amount of marketing. I mean, we were spending anywhere close to 40 just on marketing. And you have to understand there's marketing expenses and there's operational expenses mm-hmm. and you got payroll expenses. Combine all those up and you know, you, you got to get, you know, a few deals. It gets just a little uncomfortable. To, right, exactly. So um, our team got leaner, right? A lot of um, services that we didn't need, we cut that out. So what we really, what really played a big role into our net profit increasing um, to that plus 50% is the um, follow-up agents that we have on board right now. So basically, um, there we call them junior acquisitions as well. So what they're doing is they're, they're prospecting. They're calling individuals who haven't picked up the phone. You know, someone that we missed a follow missed a follow up date on, someone we sent a contract but hasn't signed or just ghosted us. They're calling those individuals, those sellers, and whenever they get them on the phone, you know, seeing if they're look, still looking to sell, ask a few other pre qualifying questions, seeing if they're ballpark prices in our ballpark price, and then do a live transfer to our senior acquisition, the closers. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, currently, we have two uh, senior acquisitions and one transactional coordinator slash disposition agent. She's 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 two in one. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that position goes hand in hand. You, if you can, all you really need to do is have a VA market it out for you to email and all that, especially with the hot market right now. Um, and then you just take the incoming calls, lock up the deal, and then that's when the transactional role comes in where you send the assignment contract and kind of get every, the deposit and kind of get the clear title. So currently right now, there's four of us in an office, including myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so payroll expenses kind of went down. The operational expenses where we didn't need this service, where we were like, why, why are we using this service? You know, it was a lot of stuff that during quarantine where I was like, man, I don't, I don't need this service. A lot of I, vendors felt that hurt. Yeah. I was like, I don't need this. I don't need that. I got this. this. This is the same thing. I have PropStream and Propelio. Why do I have both of them? Right. <laughs> like, so uh, not to throw any shots out. I mean, just, you know. But A lot of service providers got hurt. Yeah. That's the reality. So, it was that. Everyone was looking at their credit card statements. Yeah. Like, do I still need this? Do I still need this? Yeah. So we were expecting to get hurt. We didn't get hurt. But the people that we pay every month right. on a SaaS model, right? they felt that pain. Subscriptions, that can really rack it up. But yeah, yeah so that, that's kind of what helped us uh, become, you know, really our net profits go up. Um, so let's talk about then, you know, uh, the, the follow-up agents. Sounds like you call them follow-up agents. I hear other people call them lead managers because it sounds like the nurturing component. Am, am I off base here? Yeah, they're, they're nurturing, yeah. They're nurturing. So mm-hmm. uh, let's I don't talk- call them lead managers. I just don't like to call someone in that position a manager. Okay. Uh, what's the thought process behind that? Because they're remote. They're they're basically part of our cold calling company. Mm-hmm. Um, if you call them a, my opinion, whenever you call someone a lead manager or a, a manager, then they feel like they, they they need more than 
what you what you give them. Gotcha. So it's kind of like the opposite, where like everyone at the bank is the vice president. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. every person at the bank is yeah. the vice president yeah. or something. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, compensation. You know, what do you? How do you? Uh, um, pay someone that's in a junior acquisition role that tees it up for an acquisition person. What do you pay the junior person? What do you pay the acquisition person? Yeah, that's the sweet spot. So basically, there are, they're from our cold calling company. Mm-hmm. We're paying our cold callers $5 an hour. Mm-hmm. So we're paying our lead, our follow-up agents $5 an hour. Gotcha. And then we'll give them a bonus every time. So they have they have KPIs as well. They're part of our team. So we have I have one-on-ones with them as well each week. Um, they're part of our sales training as well. So whenever, if they're able to do you know, their 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 um, KPIs are doing at least five live transfers uh, a week, mm-hmm. right? And then um, if whenever they do a live transfer that turns into a contract, that's a seventy-five dollar bonus for them, which is amazing to them. So I'm assuming that they're not in Houston. No, they're not. They're they're in Costa Rica. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and then your acquisition guys. Yeah. What are you paying them? They're paying uh, two thousand dollars a month salary mm-hmm. plus the incentive of $500 bonus if they're able to reach their numbers their KPI numbers as in contracts you know contracts per week uh, minutes talked number of processes um, so they get a $500 bonus if they're able to reach their numbers mm-hmm. and then 7% commission that's awesome so you get a 2000 base 500 for doing what you're supposed to be doing <laughs> yeah exactly and then 7% 7% Awesome. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we do spiffs every month. I mean, every week, basically. Very cool. And I think the Dispo thing uh, and transaction coordinator, right? Like, it's an interesting role because I, I agree with you. A person doing Dispo can do transaction coordinating. But I think also at this exact moment in our market, Dispo is not as hard. It's at, not as hard. Right, right. Right. Right now. Yeah. But that could change. Yeah. In 12 to 18, 24 months. Yeah. Um, okay. So then what about your marketing then, right? Uh, to get the kind of volume, because I don't think we talk about units. So what kind of units and what kind of marketing channels do you have to do to get units? there? You mean uh, how many transactions a year? Last year we did 104. Okay. And what kind of marketing did you have to do to yield that? Roughly ranges anywhere from between 15 to 20,000. So mm-hmm. I'll say about like 17, 18 average in marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's including data. We're doing cold calling. Currently right now, present day, uh, cold calling, SMS and radio. Radio. We just started doing radio in January. It's been a hit. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Not a lot of people are talking about radio. I know. It's very cool. I really that really comes from the furniture background. Because oh, that my, makes sense. my brother is all over the radio, all over TV. Um, it gives you that celebrity status. Mm-hmm. And that's what um, that's kind of like the mindset I had going into it. I'm like, you know, I want, I want how do you differentiate your marketing channels from your other, you know, friends and competitors and right. No one's really doing radio. And then the other thing we're talking about in just one market, um, it's it's interesting because virtual became very sexy. Sp- particularly, like, it was already sexy, you know, before COVID, but then everyone with COVID, right? You're doing everything virtual now. Right. So that became more attractive. Right. But you're gung-ho. You're shoving all your chips in in Houston. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I just feel like it's. We tried to do the virtual model, uh, which we we did a couple of deals in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. So that was our secondary market that we were gonna dive into, and we started that January of 2020. And we started that. We had a couple of deals under contract, and then COVID hit, and a lot of the buyers in Jacksonville went stale. Like nothing like Houston. 
Houston buyers were they were still buying. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville was like, oh, we need to buy at 60%, 55%. So at that time, I told my dispo guy, um, you know, let's just let's just try to sell these deals for what we have them under contract for. We couldn't even sell them what we had under contract for. So we just dropped Jacksonville and we just went really deep and um, narrow into Houston. And we we're just like, it's a huge city. You know, and it we also yeah, and we also um, went from the whole quantity in deals to quality in deals. So our our assignments uh, went up as well. Assignment fees went up in 2020, 2021, and they're actually even higher. So we're actually focusing more on quality rather than quantity. So rather than focusing on you know ten to twelve transactions a month, we're going to be focusing on you know five to seven or five to eight transactions, but bigger deals. I'm just working smarter, not harder. What are you doing to get larger spreads? Sales training. <laughs> you know, gotcha. it's just a mindset. It's a mindset thing. It's like, hey, we're not going to work offer this. We're going to offer this. And yeah. then what was your average fee in 19 and what's your average fee now? 19 was 11. 2019 was 11. 2020 was 14. And 2021, I haven't checked, but it has to be in like the 20 range. That's good. That's huge. Yeah, especially with where the market is right now. And we're getting excited and seeing over asking yeah. from my dispo. That's fantastic right now. Yeah. Uh, are you flipping at all or just wholesale? No, we, we tried the whole flipping thing. Um, just wasn't our cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, and then the wholesaling as well, but I just like the wholesaling. I just do what works. Right. And it's working, so might as well keep doing it. Makes sense. Uh, so what does your organization look like today? We talked about uh, you, your wife is still involved in the business. Yeah. You got an acquisition. Two, two acquisitions. Two acquisitions. Uh, you got a dispo transaction coordinator. Um, two uh, follow-up agents. Two follow-up agents. And then two VAs in the Philippines. And gotcha. one of my VAs, Michelle, she's been with us. She was my first hire. So gotcha. they do KPIs. They do the SM, They do SMS. They do the uh, the underwriting, as in on, on, pro, on Podio. A lot of like admin tasks yeah. um, Michelle and Hazel do. Now, there are a lot of people in Houston. They've been on the show. Right. right. And I know even more, right, they haven't been on the show. Mm-hmm, for sure. What separates you from all of them? What separates me or my company? Uh, both. Both? Uh, so what separates my company from them, I would obviously say it's our core values, right? I mean, I don't think they have the same core values as us. Um, work ethic, right? Um, just because, like, like I said, it, we come from a, a background that is just, you know, grind which I'm kind of changing that the whole mindset has changed a little bit. It's more working smarter, not harder, mm-hmm. especially with, like I was telling you, having a daughter now and it's everything in life changes. Um, but yeah, it's, I would say it's, you know, we're not trying to get rich off of one deal. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, there's been numerous times where after closing, instead of price dropping a seller, we we gave them more because we're like, I right, we made a good amount on this assignment fee. Let's give them a little bit more. Cause that's awesome. Really some, so that's that's when, that's part of our core value integrity, right? Um, faith, man. Honestly, um, that's what separates me from. I mean, I'm sure other and you know, investors, competitors, friends, they have faith as well. But you know, my relationship with God is different. What are your core values? We have faith, uh, integrity work ethic, fearless, and uh, teamwork. I haven't heard fearless before. Let's talk about fearless, that. Fearless, man. Yeah, that's a good one. I love it. 
I love Fearless. Uh, Fearless, man. So Fearless uh, works on every part division of the company, right? So you got acquisition uh, for marketing part. Let's start with the let's start with the marketing part. Marketing part. Fearless. You got to be fearless when you're spending these marketing dollars. You got to have faith that it's you know you're gonna spend this money, um, and it's hopefully gonna come back. So the fearless. That's put the fearless part for the uh, marketing department acquisition. Fearless on giving offers. Don't be scared of these sellers. Like when you give them a lower offer, like. I see a lot of my acquisition guys or just acquisition guys in general. They're like, you know, okay, I'll, I'll give you a call back with an offer, but they don't give an offer because they're they're scared that the seller is going to react a certain way if they give really? a lower offer. Yeah, so fearless on giving offers, uh, fearless on basically asking certain questions on you know those what's the situation, what's going on, you know, or you know why, you know, asking questions as in so you know how long has that been going on for you know things of that nature being fearless in the acquisition department disposition department fearless of the buyers you know buyers can intimidate you um they can feel they can make you feel like you work for them or that you need them more than they need you so Mm -hmm. being fearless on that part of it transactional coordinating being fearless you know being fearless with the sellers by making sure that they give you know the correct paperwork and you they're giving you the correct information um, things of that nature. So I love it. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to the mindset thing you were talking about in the very beginning. All right. All right. Just having that mindset. All right. So that's Fearless. huge. Uh, so we're going to some of these questions. I love the first question is, what did you major in? <laughs> uh, what we're doing right now, communications. <laughs> I, w- I went in for business, uh, business supply chain management. That's what yeah. I went in for. I minored in that. I just, the, the whole stats and math stuff didn't sit well with me. <laughs> so I, I, math didn't sit well with you. Yeah. Come on. I mean, the whole X, Y, and Z, man, the numbers, when they put <sighs> they put numbers in math, it's just like, oh, I thought it was addition and subtraction. And Come on. Your background, you can't have to get in math. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, ben wants to know, what's your favorite mastermind? What was my favorite mastermind? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all of them were good, man. Uh, like, I, like I said before the show, I've been in Sean Terry and Kent Clothier's uh, elite. I've been in the DM family with Mark Evans. That was great. That was a that was a different mastermind. It was not focused on wholesaling. It was more focused on on business, mm-hmm. entrepreneurship, on being on on kind of manifesting what you want in life, and um, not the you know the who, but the how. Right. right. Mark Mark focuses a lot on that. Tenant CEO. But yeah, that and um, I've been in Carlos and Sal's executive elite. That was that really helped me structure my business on the correct paper that really helped me focus on my business, my wholesaling business as the actual business, the onboarding part, the, you know, the paperwork, the non-competes, non-disclosures, everything like that. Um, yeah, man, just the mastermind where you can, you can basically, it, it really depends on the person, right? And it depends on what stage you're at in life. That's really important. Yeah, so, um, you know, you gotta really research on the mastermind and, and really research on the people who, who's, who are in the mastermind. Because if you can't connect with them, then it's kind of pointless. Yeah. Because that's um, what you get in a mastermind for. That's the most valuable part. Right. Uh, Sharday wants to know how did you create, structure, and automate your business? Just going through it. <laughs> you know, you, you just got to go through it, man. It's, it's the process. It's the process. But I would say, um, leaning on it's just copy and pasting. This <laughs> is what's working. So there's two parts to that answer. So the one is just going through it, and two is seeing what works for other individuals and trying it for yourself, mm-hmm. and and kind of doing that. Yeah, I love, I love copying and pasting from other business owners. And don't don't try to like people say this all the time, but don't try to reinvent the wheel. 
especially in this too. business i mean yeah. you don't have to I mean, it's in all businesses it's just it's so many people to learn from why would you try yeah. to invent something from scratch that's why i don't i don't know why they they don't allow cheating in school anymore no, I'm kidding. <laughs> just kidding i mean the ones that did well did cheat in different ways uh, um seth hardy wants to know how did you structure your marketing campaign in the earlier part in your in your business maybe when you didn't have as much funds to work with uh, a lot of it was um was my time driving for dollars putting bandit signs on my own mm -hmm. right my wife and i we would she would drive i would jump out of the car and put the bandit signs so it was a lot of my time since the funds you know was, i was on a shoelace budget yeah right so writing letters um sending post not really post i was just writing letters i was just print papers out and just write my initial on the bottom and just send it out um, until I started getting some deals coming in. When I started getting some deals coming in, then I always learned that it's 15 to 20% uh, marketing of what you're getting. So if I would make, let's just say for example, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't make this in my early stages, but just for numbers sake, $100,000, and I know 15 to $20,000 is going to marketing. So I yeah. just structured it in that way. That's good. Learning from the masterminds, obviously. Uh, and Matt Smith wants to know how much did you net? How much did I net? Mm -hmm. And what? Um, I guess for 2020. So you guys, you know, pull out your calculator. And <laughs> 57% of 1.4. 57% of 1.4. Uh, Juan also, also wants to know, do you do any creative financing or any term deals? We do subject to. We do subject to deals. Um, we haven't got into the owner financing part of it, which I love that part of it, but I just, just haven't got into it. Um... Brian Tapia wants to know why do you have two watches? So yeah, man, it's not a watch; it's, it's a whoop. It's <laughs> a whoop. It? Uh, so basically, it tracks your sleep, tracks your um, your activity throughout the day. Um, but that's that's a good question, though. <laughs> I actually did have two watches. I used to have the Apple Watch on the right hand mm -hmm. and my regular watch on the left hand, um, but then that looked silly. But now I feel like this whoop, I mean, you gotta really look close to see it's not a watch, it's just yeah. a band. It's like a Fitbit, I guess you can say, but it tracks a lot a lot, a lot more things. And I just, literally my wife just got it for me a couple of days ago. Awesome, very cool. Yeah. Um, Cody Wilmoth, Wilmoth wants to know, what's your take on memorandums, which apparently is a growing issue in the Houston market? So <laughs> Cody? Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, what's my take on memorandums? Mm -hmm. I feel like memorandums are important. Mm -hmm. on certain deals depending on the seller because um, there's before we we do memorandums on about 70% of our deals mm -hmm. um, and I would say before we got in before we started drawing up memorandums the reason why, uh, the reason why we got into memorandums was because you know sellers the deal, the sellers we're dealing with I mean they're they're shopping around with offers right they don't know the real estate rules especially if you can't if you don't explain to them that hey you're signing a legally binding contract you can't go and get another offer if you don't explain that to them then they just think it's normal they just think that they can go ahead they and, don't know what they can't do yeah and they're and we're in here in Houston we're in a competitive market so they're getting calls left and right so and also when you blast out a deal there's some people out there who would call that seller that you blasted out the deal and try to get it so it's it's important i feel i think it's valuable i think it's something that you should do on um majority of the properties that you put under contract yeah and i think that um i think some of the people that do them are kind of shady uh, but that's only if they contracted a property that they had no intention of buying right and then filing a memorandum right but yeah the seller signed a contract with you that you intended to buy mm -hmm. then i'm all about following the memos yeah you file memos uh absolutely 
Yeah. Uh, Alexis wants to know, do you let your buyer give you a price on the deal or do you give them the price? For our dispo side, so yeah, we have a starting price. We don't have a wholesale, we have a starting price now. Mm-hmm. So basically, because the way the market's so hot, so if we're asking 135 for a property, we're gonna put starting price 135. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of take it from there. Give them about 48 hours for all the offers to come in. We have a Podio web form that they submit the offers. And then we go with highest and best. We don't do bidding wars, nor do we disclose on, hey, we have 140 on the table if you can do 141. We feel like that's very unethical, and I'd stress that on my dispo person to never, don't ever tell the buyer how, what offers we have on the table. Just say, hey, we have a lot of competitive offers, but you never say the number. But yeah, we, we, we have a starting price. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Leo Aguirre wants to know, what is your why? My why, that's a good question. So, uh, you know, as time goes on, I mean, your why changes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's changed for me. You know, 2017, 2018 was different. 2019 was different. Um, and now I have, a, I have a daughter who's eight months. And my why is uh, to be a front row dad. To be someone who um, who's there for my kids and for my wife for like, for my kids milestones for like when they're a baby when they're you know their first gymnastics or their first tennis tournament i want to i want to be present mm-hmm. um so giving them my time like uh, is time is a huge commodity so giving them my time um traveling with you know my wife and my kids taking them to you know enjoy amazing experiences and um you know basically leading them to um, the side of, you know, basically like leading them in the religion part of it where that my, my, my mom and dad kind of guided me towards. Mm-hmm. Never force it on them, but the way that my mom and dad taught me about religion was, um, I feel like was very special. And that's the way I wanna, I wanna kinda leave that on my kids. Uh, do you think, you know, your parents having their businesses, I don't know how long, when they started it, uh, but do you think the time with your daughter uh, how important it is to you is in any way related to you growing up? So my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So my mom like gave all the time. My dad um, really balanced his time, but that's the opposite of my brothers. My brothers are just work, work, work from like, they still, even uh, the business been about 22, 23 years now since they started in 98. They're still, you know, working 10 to 12 hours days. And I don't want to do that. I want to mm-hmm. be able to, um, you know, give that time to my kids, to my wife, to my family. Um, Cause I feel like that's the biggest thing that we have. It is, it is, but not everyone sees that. Yeah, no, it, it's true. And um, and I didn't see that before. At, before I was in the office from seven, seven to, I mean, until seven, 8 p.m. at night. Um, but now it's just like, I wanna, I wanna be home with my daughter. You know, right. I wanna be home with my wife. Um. Matt Smith wants to know, is there any particular software that you use or maybe can't live without? Um, yeah, uh, Propelio, no, Podio, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our CRM. Uh, Propelio, what we run our comps on. Um, yeah, those are the two that we can't, we can't function without. And Alejandro uh, Verdusco wants to know, where do you find your cash buyers? They're all over, uh, but basically the way that we kind of grew our our buyers list in the beginning stages was posting our deals on Craigslist, right? Uh, Facebook groups. There's a bunch of Facebook groups that are you know in Houston. So whenever someone will post a deal, 
a bunch of people will put their email addresses and we just copy and paste them. <laughs> and yeah. then, and my house deals, we post our deals on my house deals offer fast. That's a good uh, website as well. And, um, basically that's pretty much it. We're just, our, 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 now we don't even grow our list. We have people who contact us to put them on our list. Yeah. Um, but before it was, you know, Craigslist, my house deals and, you know, on Facebook, just, you know, putting a prop, putting, Hey, I have a property in seven, seven, zero, eight, nine, drop your emails. And a bunch of emails goes and you just, you know, copy and paste them. That's pretty much it. That's awesome. That's how we grew our list. Uh, Ben wants to know, do you have any coaches or mentors right now? Yes, absolutely. Always. Who's, who's, who's mentoring you right now? So I'm always learning from someone. Uh, but like I said, Mark Evans is, is a mentor of mine. Um, so, uh, Carlos Sal and Alex are mentors. As in a one-on-one mentor, no, I don't have a one-on-one mentor. I haven't. So I just went to Tiffany and Josh's event Mm -hmm. a couple weeks, uh, last week. Um, And even though I see them as, you know, friends or whatnot, but I feel like when we talk, uh, I feel like it's still kind of, you know, there's still some kind of mentorship that goes on there Mm -hmm. because you learn from your peers. Right. Um, But currently I'm not in a mastermind, nor do I have any personal one-on-one mentorship going on uh, to answer that question. Awesome. Um, and then Juan wants to know what the growth that you have now, do you stick with wholesale or do you have uh, other sources of profit? So is he asking that if wholesaling is my own only source of income? Yeah. No. Okay, so what yeah, else so are you doing we have, besides um, credit card processing? <laughs> we're not doing credit card processing. <laughs> we have a couple of e-com stores, yeah. Amazon, uh, crypto, and uh, and wholesaling. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we're obviously now, um, and we have, you know, some passive income coming in, but I want to grow that passive income because the life that I want, you know, I can't be in a transactional business. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I know that the life that I want with the time and, you know, the traveling and all that, I have to, that, you know, my, that has to be, I have to supply my income in, in a passive way. So we're looking more into, you know, creating that passive income from self-storage facilities. Gotcha. Why self-storage? Because you don't have to deal with tenants. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's cash on cash. Just look at the numbers. Yeah. Um, so Alexis wants to know, how are you advertising your deals? So we kind of talked about that actually already. Uh, Matt Smith wants to know, how do you manage your lead list? My lead list, Podio? Or as in like the raw data that we get? Um, my guess is maybe you use a lead stacker or a list Yeah, stacker. we use Batch. Batch. We use Batch as lead stacker. Batch is real cool. You see them while you were in town? No, not yet. There's always like this little tour when people come in here, right? Yeah, like, I know. You, you got to see Brent Daniels. You got to see yeah. Carlos and Sal. You got to see whatever. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, what is your biggest struggle right now? My biggest struggle right now, um, in business or personal? Both. Both, uh, business, wholesaling business. I would say the struggle, it's not really a struggle, but it's kind of a a decline than it was last year. And I was, it'll be more on the acquisition side since inventory is low Mm -hmm. with, I guess, nationwide really. Right. We're still getting, uh, you know, a good amount of deals, still closing anywhere from six to nine deals a month. Um, but I would say the acquisition side is a struggle. Um, for for personal, I would say um, the shiny object syndrome, man. Yeah, there's so much things, so many, so many things going on. I really got to focus, and I have a goal on what I want to focus on with my with the wholesaling business, with the passive income that we spoke about, 
Um, but it's just, you know, got so many people, you know, promoting, you know, mm-hmm. so many things. Like, you know, like I said, crypto, you got the sports cards, you got... <laughs> you got you any got, sports cards? I put in a little investment in for it, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, so it's, it's, it's it, you're, you're, you're spot on though, right? There is that element, like, how do you stay focused? So last week was, um, I didn't have anything going on on Thursday or Friday. And I was freaking out, right? Like, I'm used to, like, being super busy and super behind. Yeah, right? And I had too much free time last week. So I told my team, like, we're launching two or three new products <laughs> in the yeah. next couple of months. So bear with me, guys. Yeah. No, so that's, that's, um, that's something as well, like, struggle as in, like, not feeling that you're behind, just knowing that it's a process that things are gonna happen. Because like sometimes I just want things to happen like instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was like, I just want to start making fifty thousand a month passive income. Let's, why can't it happen like that? So like just knowing that it's a process, <laughs> patience, patience is is you know it's it's a huge thing. Well, you just had a baby, so you learned that you can't rush baby coming out. Be right. patient. All right. Yeah, sure. let the process work its work its way through. Yeah, man. Uh, Chris Green wants to know what's your favorite list uh, and data source. Um, I use list source, listability, batch. Um, all this, I mean, all, all of them are good, man. It's just about consistency. It's about putting, you know, using those lists, you know, numerous times and, you know, using them through all different channels, cold calling, SMS. We don't right. do RVM anymore. But, you know, doing that and then that's just part of it. And then you got a whole, you got the sales part, you got the follow-up part, you got the transactional coordinating part, dispo part. There's, there's a few different parts to it. There's a lot of parts to it. Yeah. Um, uh, Cody Wilmoth wants to know, how did you find your first acquisition guy? <laughs> Cody Wilmoth was my first acquisition guy. I guess, how did you find him? <laughs> um, was it Indeed? I think it was Indeed. We're still using Indeed. It might've been Indeed or Craigslist. Surprisingly, man, Craigslist. We've we've we got a lot of uh, a lot of people from from Craigslist. A lot of people and, that are still with me today. Really, are from Craigslist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we don't advertise there anymore. But a lot of the good people we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't advertise Craigslist. there anymore either. Uh, Daniel Tawelde wants to know how did you find your cold callers? Are they in house or are they outsourced? They're outsourced, in Costa Rica. And Matt Smith wants to know what was the one thing that took you to the next level. One thing that took me to the next level is faith. Knowing that if I put the work in, if I was consistent with it, that um, it was gonna pay back. So it was faith. And I always had the mindset of, if they can do it, so can I, right? right. So that's why I watch those videos. like, And I still watch testimonial videos on different things that I'm trying to get into, like different mm-hmm. ventures. Um, or talk to other individuals who are in that and kind of just have them share my share their stories because I always have that like if if they can do it so can I you know we're all the same you know one you know so that's that's my thing faith is 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 huge for me so one of my best friends is my accountability partner and he says this and this is not like it's not said in the right context at all but he says like if that idiot can do it <laughs> why can't I Right, and because he, he's like, he's in these groups, right, and he's <laughs> people doing eight figures, yeah. right, and yeah. he's like, he or I'm sorry, nine figures, yeah. right. So he's in the eight figure business, right, because he's not in real estate; he's doing something else, a little mm-hmm. bit bigger. Mm-hmm. But he's in a business where they're doing eight figures, and he's like, that guy can do nine figures. Why can't I do eight figures? And that motivates him. Yeah, no, it's it's motivation for sure. Yeah. 
what is your superpower? So, um, you know, I knew you were gonna ask me this question. Um, so I, I, I thought about it a few times and I asked my wife and I asked my team as well. And I, I loved my wife's answer the most and I felt like it was, it was on point. And I mentioned it a couple times as well, but um, I always lean on faith, man. I mean, I'm a God-fearing man, and I know that, you know, God has a plan for me. So it's basically, it's faith. It's it's if I do right, I put the work in. I know I'll be taken care of. I love it. And no matter what trials and tribulations comes, because if you're not dealing with you know trials or tribulations, if you're not dealing with hard times, you're not doing something right. If you're not getting uncomfortable in your certain position that you're in or the company that you're running, then you're not living to the fullest potential. So I try to put myself in uncomfortable positions and, um, you know, and sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this? Am I, because I gotta get out of that comfort. But I know that if I'm doing this, I know that I'm gonna be okay because faith is there with me. Do you think the faith and the fearlessness are intertwined? For sure. Because you're, sure. you're, you're getting your, your, your team, right? Your squad is like, you guys got to be fearless. But I think if you have faith, that enables you 100%, to be fearless. 100%. They do intertwine. Uh, what is the greatest lesson you've learned? Greatest lesson I've learned um, to enjoy the process, to enjoy the journey. You know, um, Which is also different than being patient or than <laughs> being impatient wanting to result, results yeah. now. To, to enjoy it, you know, just to kind of, um, to, yeah, just to enjoy the journey, to kind of, you know, keep it, um, to be present, but mainly to enjoy the journey. What caused you to go from being impatient to lear learning to embrace the process? Basically going through it, right? It's like, <laughs> It's because when that when that when the certain the that gratification happens, we're like, okay, like it happened, all right, awesome. And like, if you just you know were patient, or if you didn't like really like get flustered at that time where you're like, I need it to happen now, yeah. everything would have been okay. Things would have happened differently, and then, um, you know, just just knowing that I guess just going through it, like realizing myself, realizing journaling, knowing that. If I could, if I could have just stuck through it and just kept going through the motions, it would have, it would have eventually planned out. And that's, it, it showed me numerous times that, that yeah. if I just keep going through it. The joy is in the journey. Right. Right. For sure. Cause even if you hit your number today, you wouldn't be happy. Yeah. Right? Like if you said the 50,000 month passive, right? Yeah. He said, I'm going to do this. And in 30 days you did it. There'd be something else. Yeah. You always, wouldn't, exactly. you wouldn't stop there. Right. So enjoying that and, 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 and being grateful for that, mm -hmm. that like, all right, I hit this. I, let's enjoy this time right now mm -hmm. and not just set the next goal. I, I need to do 100,000 next month. Right. But enjoying that time right now, like I hit 50. Wow. That, I mean, I, I had this vision three months ago, four months ago. That's amazing. What did I do to make to get this? Like really just to kind of what I also started really doing recently is, is journaling, right? Just writing my thoughts down. Um, and it's really helped me out. Um, I also try to start a podcast uh, <laughs> but when I was speaking on the, in the podcast it was just me speaking and I really like enjoyed it like after I was done with the podcast like speaking on the mic which I was just really talking to myself um, just that feeling that it, I felt that like wow I got a lot of lot lot out of it 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I vented um, and just kind of just documenting your 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 thoughts, I guess. Yeah, I love it. And uh, what is your favorite, best, or most interesting failure? Um, you know, so in, in the real estate business, you know, you're always, it's, you're always failing. There's always things going on. If you're not failing, then it's something's, something's going on. So I'm always failing forward. Um, I would say this question, I would kind of put it more on personal. So <laughs> I think, cause I think it's interesting. I still think about it to this day. So my wife at the time, my wife right now, my girlfriend at the time, well, she's not even actually my girlfriend. She, we, we basically, we, we dated in high school. And then we disconnected for seven years and we reconnected in, in college. Um, just randomly we met each other. We're like, hey, yeah, I didn't know you go to the school and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I was obviously trying to, you know, make her my girlfriend again. And um, I was working with the family business at that time. It was in 2014. This is 2014. And uh, I know she was a huge Beyonce fan. I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. And I had purchased um, like fifth, fourth or fifth row tickets to the concert that Beyonce and Jay-Z were coming in town. So I purchased that and I was like, all right, I'm gonna get these tickets, you know, sit on the floor, you know, and we're gonna, Sparks are gonna fly, Bay and Jay are gonna sing, we're gonna, we're gonna rekindle and we're gonna, we're gonna start this relationship back up. And, um, and yeah, I invited her, I asked her out and, and she denied me. <laughs> and she denied me because of, because of, I guess her friend at the time, um, they were like on this whole free soul, single life type of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I failed, but I, I, I stayed persistent. Mm-hmm. And since I stayed persistent, she's my wife now. Awesome. I had to take my sister, actually. It was, <laughs> it was okay. It was, it was, it was Hopefully she enjoyed time. the show. She did. <laughs> had a good time. Is there a book that you've gifted more than any other? Yeah, Nick Ruiz Flip. Everybody who asks me how do I get into the real estate, I, I recommend them that book. And then once they read that book, I tell them, hey, I'll, I'll I'll teach you the game, but read this book. And once you finish reading this book, um, then we'll, we'll kind of take it from there. I have about 90, 95% of people who don't hit me back up. <laughs> uh, Ryan Panita does that. Oh yeah? So yeah, read my book. You know, I, Until you read my book, I'm not answering any of your questions. Yeah. Uh, is there anything, uh, Leo wants to know, is there anything that you would change? Any regrets or anything you could have done better? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have scaled. I wouldn't have scaled so fast, because, like I said, in 2018 December was when I hired my first VA, and then 2019 like summertime I started hiring all these, you know, sharks really, mm-hmm. really you know, sales sharks and, um, you know, basically I had a, I had a room full of, you know, individuals who. Uh, who wanted to be? Who wanted? Who wanted to have a wholesaling business? And I didn't know it that at that time, so um, that's where my team kind of fell apart, and that's what really helped me, I guess, scale. And at that time, I didn't. I, I was. I was like. I was. I was regretting. I was like, man, I really taught them the game, and you know, this and this and that, and you know, I really regretted, kind of just how things how things rolled out. Um, but it happened now I, I remember that saying that things don't happen to you they happen for you and because of that it, you know it really helped us scale but really um, what I regret I, I would I really don't regret anything because things happen you know you have to go through the process but I would just say um, hiring better 
yeah hiring better and i don't but think that, there's a single business person that doesn't feel that way yeah but that's it, part of experience you know yeah. and you got to go through that you got to go through you know you got to go through the process you got to go through the experience you can't really can't really vet people out until you actually run into those individuals that you don't want to you want on your team who yeah. don't align with your core value we didn't have core values at that time but um you can't shortcut hiring yeah there's no there's no shortcuts yeah to hiring we're still figuring it out <laughs> yeah no for sure same same there's all these these personality tests and as well but i mean you know it's you know it's, they're just tests. people can just manipulate what you want them to hear yeah but we have actually like a three to four step hiring process now mm -hmm. so we're really like vetting people so. that's awesome well then i guess is there any tip you would give for someone that's hiring right now uh a tip yeah so really i mean the, i'll just tell you how we hire and maybe someone can get some tips from that yeah um so what we do is and i learned a majority of it from terry there um he's a good friend of mine as well uh, so basically what we do um is we post an ad on indeed and then we get a bunch of people right when houston we get a, like 150 200 people who apply and then from there they have to take a basically an, a test a personality test and then once they take that test, um, then basically they have to um, fill out a survey. And when they fill out a survey, that survey kind of tells you like if they're comfortable with the, the salary that we're giving them, if they're comfortable, uh, you know, what are they looking, what are, they, what are their goals, what are their vision, um, you know, why do they feel like they're the best candidate? So they answer those questions from those. And then so basically it reads from 150 people to let's just say 25 people and then from the 25 people then they do the survey and that weeds them out to like 10 people five people and then we hop on the phone with them do an uh, in-phone interview then from there we do an in-person interview and then in the in-person interview we also sometimes have them hop on the calls if it's acquisition we have them mm -hmm. hop on the calls and you know because someone could say that hey we're good at closing we're good at sales we you know we talked on the phone we used to do customer service this is why and, Z, and then we put some leads in front of them like i call them and then and you find out what you really got yeah yeah awesome so yeah that's the, that's our steps so really just kind of i guess vetting these individuals out and i feel like the best part of it is the best part of the system is really kind of just um the host i really like the survey because i can really kind of read a person by what the answers are on the survey and then from there we choose on who we're gonna call for in person uh, in phone interview we're gonna have to compare surveys after this because we have our own survey so we're oh, gonna nice. have to compare surveys yeah for sure all right so uh, i want you to think about something you want to leave the listeners with as far as last thoughts go okay uh guys we have our uh sales training all day uh on uh, middle of april so two weeks if you guys are interested shoot me a dm at steve.trang on instagram um, and guys please like share subscribe comment because this helps the algorithms right this tells youtube that this is worthy content if you guys interact so please interact so we can drive that engagement uh and uh, so last thoughts you want to leave the listeners with last thoughts i want to leave the listeners with um so basically i would say for the individuals who are trying to get into the business or find traction into the business in the in this wholesaling business or any business um really really get obsessed with it you know especially with the wholesaling business i mean there's so many individuals now trying to get into it um if you have i don't know if you can cuss uh, if you half do the business i don't know i was gonna say that but if you do half half halfway <laughs> of the business then you're gonna get halfway results right yeah so really go or, all or in less. 
huh or less or less exactly or less so really get obsessed with this put the work in know that the consistency and work ethic i feel like is is the formula to this right you can have there's a bunch there's hundreds of ways to market to off-market sellers there's a hundred ways to you know talk to them there's everybody teaching a sales course or teaching how to market <laughs> or, or whatnot but if you can if you can really just put put the work in do it on a consistent basis you will be rewarded yeah become a fanatic be, be, become a fanatic exactly become a yeah. fanatic and that's what i did i mean my in my ear it was just sean terry when i met sean terry in october i felt like i met a celebrity i was like <laughs> dude i know like i feel like i know you right same way i feel like i knew, knew you when you came in i wanted to give you a hug because i was like <laughs> i listen to your podcast all the time so like and always keep learning right i mean i'm always learning um you know from different podcasts or different um individuals um on instagram to this day, when I see Sean Terry, I still feel like I'm seeing a celebrity. Right. It's crazy. He's a pioneer, man. He's the, he's the OG. <laughs> so yeah, just just get obsessed and just, just put that work in. Yeah. I, I heard something great uh, last week. It was like, you know, if you died today, you know, would there be enough evidence to, to convict that you were this person? So like, you know, if someone were to pass away today, you know, if you were in an accident, like would be able to say, oh, you know, Sean was his incredible wholesaler oh you know would we be able to tell is he leaving enough evidence behind to prove that he is and the only way you can do that is if you're a fanatic you're going all in yeah doing everything you know the thing one of my biggest pet peeves is someone that sends me facebook friend requests like i don't even know what this person does yeah i don't know what industry they're in i don't know what they're doing awfully political but that's besides the point um someone wants to get hold of you what's the best way to do that someone wants to get a hold of me they can uh dm me on instagram sean zavery Right or Facebook message me Sean Zavery. They can email me at Sean S E A N at GreenlightOffer.com. Um, and yeah, I, I wouldn't want people to remember me as Sean the wholesaler. By the way, at the one, if I if I pass away, right? <laughs> because I, like when, yeah, six months ago, six months ago, yeah. Right. But no, but it's it's that's 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 a question I think of all the time as well. What do I want people to remember me when I pass away? Mm-hmm. Like, do I want them to? And that's the way I kind of want to live my life as in like what would that person remember like who was sean was it the guy who always had a smile on who always was positive right so i think about that i mean it's funny that you brought that up because i think about that all the time because um it was getting a whole different topic but but because when my dad passed away in 2009 like all people thought all people said was man he was a fantastic person he was great he always had a smile on his face he was he was so joyful right so I want to leave this world like with the imprint of mm-hmm. like how people if someone says oh hey, your father was sean like oh and then say like something positive yeah so that's the kind of way i want to another great thought to leave the listeners with yeah great for exercise sure. for you guys to think about yeah thank you so much pleasure buddy it was an honor man thanks for so much thank you guys for watching look at that peace guys <laughs>